You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Waystation. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Waystation encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy, Enjoy your, stay, your stay, and please, and please come, again. come again. Hello, and welcome back to the Waystation. I'm your host, Stephanie, and with me today is special guest host, Shim, or Hi. Jason. Hi. Whatever, whatever you feel like calling him. Half a minute, and I've already interrupted you. I know. Yeah. It's going to be a good one, folks. <laughs> this, is, this is going down in the history books. Yeah. <laughs> and today we have, okay, so Dave's not here because Dave forgot. Dave's not here, man. Yeah, Dave's not here, man. <laughs> uh, he forgot that we had our show this week. So Randy's here. Hey, it's been a few months since I know. I've been here. But, uh... And the last time you were here, we had so much fun because you were hitting buttons and making <laughs> fun sound effects. <laughs> I was like, this is the most fun show. Sorry, Dave. We love having Dave do our show too, but you know, sometimes sometimes you just need Randy. With one Randy of the sound the effects. House. Huh? With one of the sound effects, a hilarious boing noise. I do have boing noise. Those are my favorite. <laughs> if you if you put on your headphones, you'll hear the sound effects. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know oh, what? We might have to put crap. on your headphones. Okay, yeah. I feel I feel like some of this conversation might uh be worthy of some sound effects. We'll see. Um <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't worthy of anything, but I'll take it. Okay, so uh, how are you, Shim? Um, I'm doing great. That's partially a lie, but we don't need to get into my crud here. This is time for fun. <laughs> this is not therapy hour, Shim. Yeah, no, this is um, actually a little bit of good news. After uh, like a month of just sitting on it doing nothing, I've completed version alpha 3.0 of my game. About four years after I started it. So on the schedule I'm on, it should be done probably in another 15 years. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. I don't know if anything will be able to run it, not because it's overpowered, of course, but because it's so old, it will be like trying to jam an Atari cartridge into like a, an Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Right. Or yeah. PlayStation 9. Or what, whatever the heck it's Whatever the be. kids are playing these days with it- their <laughs> pub guzz and their Fortnites. <laughs> You're such a dork. But your game is a lot of fun, and if anybody um like played like Earthbound, um, or if you like games like that, then you'll definitely want to check out his game in fifteen years when it finally finally sees the light of day. Well, if anyone is familiar with our um Facebook page for your publishing company, which is facebook dot com slash scapegoat press, I can put a Dropbox link on there, but. You know, for the for it, but like you got to email me and let me know if you like it or if you hate it. But you should probably email me if you're going to play it. But I can put it up there. I can I can totally do that. Or if you'd like, um, if anybody's interested in your demo is what like six hours. I would say depending on how you play it, it could be like four to twelve. Like it's actually a meaty chunk because I added a whole bunch because I'm like the previous demo only like introduced the second character and there was like one dungeon and you were done. Um, This one goes a whole map and dungeon past that. So you get to play around with like her and her skills a little bit longer. Well, if anybody is interested in playing the demo of his game um, before he puts up that link, why don't you just hit me up on Facebook and like give me like 
your email and he can send you a Dropbox link. How about we do it that way? Because then that way you know yeah, who's t- who's you know playing your game, and then they have to give you feedback. Yeah, Dems the rules. Yeah, because then I know who it is, and I can like send them passive aggressive Facebook messages. Hey, 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 did you play the game yet? Did you play the game yet? Play the game uh, but yet? no, for real, it's actually a lot of fun. I've played um, almost all of it myself, and. Uh, I really enjoy it. So if you're interested, just hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and uh, let me know that it's, you know, you want to get in on the demo and you get to play it and then you just got to give some feedback. So really not like a huge, uh, you don't really have to give much back for what you're getting to do for free. Yay. Yay. Free stuff. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. You're Should... quite welcome. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I know. It's fine. I wanted to interrupt you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, Megan's birthday is next week. So I took her for her birthday today to goat yoga. Um, it's a, um, like I think it's uh, – it's either Pingree or Pingree Farms, which is just south of um, Ferndale in Detroit. And it's a urban farming slash urban gardening uh, nonprofit. What's it called? What? Goat Yoga? No, the name of the farms. Let me. Let me. It sounded like you were pronouncing Shroot wrong. <laughs> it's not Shroot Farms. But, it, but if it could be. Okay, it is. It's Pingree Farms. It's in Detroit. It's um, it's at like seventy five, um, I seventy five and Seven Mile, and so they have a location where every Saturday they do three yoga classes. They have a ten o'clock, a twelve o'clock, and a two o'clock. Um, and all of the money that they make from this goat yoga goes to supporting the farm. Um, you know they do a lot of community outreach. Like it's a really cool thing. Um, they actually had stuff there that was made from the sheep that they keep on their farm, like wool socks, wool hats, um, a couple of different things that were made from their own sheep. Okay. Which, when you uh, said made from their sheep, I immediately just thought of like gory it, stuff. It's not a butcher shop. Okay. Man. You mean you mean like the the wool, not <laughs> yeah, like wool the socks, not meat socks, okay. <laughs> meat socks, intestine belts, <laughs> not meat socks or intestine belts. Yeah, I was just thinking more. like Lamburgers or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't. We were really hungry afterwards. We ended up going to Hopcat after after that. But uh, I, I don't eat lamb anyway. There's a what? lot of there's a lot of things I don't eat, dude. I I would be a vegetarian. I eat a lot of days. I don't eat meat, but I just love like cheeseburgers and stuff. Like I can't not ever do it. But I love animals. So anyway, um, uh, Pingree Farms. We went there this morning, and they just like they have, they have a class limit of like twenty five and. So we go in there. It's like this big long room, and it's filled with straw. And underneath is like a cement floor. Uh, so you know, you roll out your your yoga mat and whatever. And then they, st- as soon as they start the yoga, they have you lay on your back and close your eyes, and they bring the goats in, and they're all baby goats. All of them are babies. So they they range. One of them was only like two days old, and it was just in a little hoodie. Because it was so little, Aww. and it just kind of laid on a mat with one of the uh, other uh, p- participants. So cute. My new goat baby, which uh, we named Nibs because Nibs was nibbling the crap out of my hand. Because it was like it was like almost trying to suckle, like because it's six days old. Aww. Six days old, just the cutest little thing. Also, the funniest thing that happened, and I and Megan thought it was funny, so I don't feel like she's going to get pissed at me for telling this, but. We were laying on our stomachs, 
trying to get the goats to like, you know, lay on our backs. And one of the goats discovered that Megan's butt is really bouncy, like a trampoline. (laughs) And so it just like, it did one bounce one way and then it decided to come back and bounce again. (laughs) It was hilarious. Megan's butt's a trampoline for goats. So, wow. She cracked up, so I feel like she's okay with me sharing that story. Did any of the girls like try to headbutt you or like run around and get mischievous? Um, no, they weren't none of them tried to headbutt me or I mean not anybody that I saw. They're pretty young. Okay. Um they were running around and it kind of sucked for them because, you know, there's concrete underneath the hay. So they're running around and they would just wipe out because they'd hit a oh. patch where there was barely any hay, so their little hooves would like slip. And I mean they were all fine. No no obviously these animals are really well taken care of. Um it was a lot of fun though. Like, like half the group was doing yoga. The other half, like myself, was just taking pictures of goats and holding uh, goats and um, feeding goats straw. And <laughs> I'm just amazed yeah. that goats that young can be fully trained yoga instructors. Oh, I mean, they were amazing. Just yeah. wow, <laughs> they were just like really, uh, they were on it. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was a really wonderful experience. And I, you know, it's it's almost thirty bucks to go, so it's not something you can do all the time. But it does support. A really good movement that's going on in Detroit right now um, with the urban farming and the urban gardening. And, you know, so it's definitely worth it. And I, I can't I, – I started crying a little bit. I I just love animals and goats are like one Dork. of my favorites. I don't care. I'm sensitive. I have a soft heart and I got really excited. <laughs> so it was a really good day. Really good day. And then I then we went to Hopcat. It took forever for us to get our food and me and Megan started getting hangry. And that was not fun. But, you know, we had Melissa there to, like, hold us uh, down. Did so, anybody yeah. uh, try and, like, make it out of there with a goat? I wanted to. Yeah. Oh, my. I kept pick, I kept picking up my my goat, my goat child nibs, and I kept, like, getting closer and closer to the gate. Not, um, it was, like, subconscious, you know. But, like, I realized what I was doing, and I'm like, I'm trying to walk out with this goat. <laughs> Now, um, did any of the goats come up to you and ask you if you want to live deliciously? They did not. Uh, I was kind of hoping. There was a couple of all-black goats there. Yeah. Um, one of them was wearing the same little, uh, like, outfit that Nibs was wearing because oh. they all had – some of them had, like, pink ones on. Some of them <laughs> had black and white striped ones. They had, like, these cute little outfits on. A couple of them had, like, cow print ones that, like, cover their, their legs, too. I mean, it was just so How ridiculous. Precious. It was so cute. I mean, honestly, you have to go just once at least and support the good cause and play with goats. A it's goat so great. Dressed like a cow. How deliciously absurd. I know. And then, well, the only downside of this is that, you know, they, they're young and they just piss and shit wherever they want. So, uh, I had to wipe goat shit off of Megan's leg. I got some on my mat. Um, <laughs> It is what it is. It, it, honestly, it didn't really bother me because they have like paper towel and they have a staff like standing around to like help clean up stuff as soon as it happens. So it's not like you're just rolling around in like feces or anything. It's not. Like... <laughs> so if uh, if you were Randy's face right now, he's not about rolling around in feces. If someone <laughs> were to ask you if you would go again, how would you answer that question? Please incorporate a goat based pun. Would um, you go again? I don't do puns. Yes, I would. Wordplay, at least, with goats? No. Just say it. I said it. Yes, I would go again. Okay, well, I'm going to say it. Totes my goats. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> and you try to tote a goat out of there, too, but you were not allowed. Yeah, I was not allowed. But yeah, that was, that was my super fun day. Hey, he liked my pun. I didn't hear a sad trombone. <laughs> or the world's smallest violin. Right. I don't have either of those effects. Oh, my Damn. God. How do you not have sad trombone? <laughs> the, uh, there we go. The studio owner hasn't ponied up the license fees oh, for some gosh. Damn it. Damn it, Dave and Bob. Speaking of that, <laughs> I use only um, uh, community licensed uh, free sound effects for my game. And sometimes it is very hard to find something that works properly because I'm not I'm not paying for a sound effect. What am I? You know, a guy with money. You're Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. I wish I was Scrooge McDuck. Well, yeah, he's got money. He's just not going to pay for things. Well, yeah. Except for, except for really expensive, dangerous excursions to, like, the Amazon jungle to find, like, a ruby. Well, that's important. Well, I'm just saying, like, like the guy's, like, insurance and travel plans, like, must be, like, incredibly expensive. And all he's ever getting is, like, ooh, a piece of ink and gold. And, like, it never works out in the end. And, like, you know, an entire temple melts into the ground and he gets nothing for it. So, like, he's just, like, pissing away all his money on these extravagant adventures. Oh, I would I just do that. got it. The adventure is the prize. Okay, never mind. It makes sense now. <laughs> oh, man. He just learned a lesson. Yeah. You learned a lesson. It's, it's, it's the journey. It's the climb, if you will, even. Oh, my God. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Nobody talks about her anymore. I'm okay with that. No, She's doing all right. She's um She's doing a lot of country music right now, actually. Uh, she did, uh, I think it was a cover of Jolene a while ago, which is, I think, a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Um, and it was actually everyone, really, it was really good. Everyone covers Jolene. Well, so. it was a really, she did a really good job. That's good. So good for her. But I don't want to talk about Miley Cyrus. Well, We're over that. You brought her up. Mm. You did. No, I said the climb. You could have I know exactly what you were doing. Yeah. So don't, don't even play. That's a disagulation. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I earned that one. You did. You earned it. Sweet. Congratulations. Uh, speaking of The Office. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that perfect segue I just gave myself. I, I mentioned Shroot Farms like an hour ago, but continue. Yeah, but I wasn't ready. Okay. Then. Now I'm ready. So speaking of I, – I, I lost it. It's okay. Um, went and saw the quiet or A Quiet Place uh, earlier this week, and uh, – it's got how do you pronounce? I never pronounce his last name. Krasinski. Right. It's Krasinski. Like super easy. It's exactly the way it looks. Well, it, but you're actually really bad with last names. It, well, and it's funny because my my maiden name's Tadusiak, and I'm usually pretty good with. You know what it is? It's just there's like I just I don't know. There's I no just, Alan Hemsworth, by the way. Just so you know, Chris Helmsworth. Yeah, whatever. That's what I, I call him. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. So yeah. we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I saw a Quiet Place. And that has um, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Thank you, Krasinski. I'm never going to get it right. I'm just bad with names in general. So um, he wrote, directed, and starred in this movie. And uh, I was really looking forward to it, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't set my expectations super high because, you know, it's the first time that he's directed and wrote and starred in something. And with horror or thriller films, you know, they can go south very quickly or they could just start really south. Yeah. And just stay there. <laughs> just, and just kind of hang out there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I don't want to give any spoilers away. It's only been out for like a week. So I just want to say, 
Um, I enjoyed the film and the idea of the, the film is, is actually really cool. Um, I already, I went in knowing that it wasn't really about what they, what it's about. You know how like movies have like their different like themes and things that they're about. It's more, there's some holes in the plot because they're trying to focus on the theme of protecting children. There's, so there's a couple of, there's a couple of things that I, that were just glaring, glaringly terrible to me. And, you know, granted, congratulations to him. Like, I'm really proud of him. I think he did a great job. The movie was enjoyable and I definitely recommend to go see it and support it. It's, it's, it's good. I just, when I see, you know, it's like hitting a pothole in Detroit, you know, it's like everything's going great. And then you hit it and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And like half of your car is like broken. And then you just keep going. Yeah. Well, in uh, in a few weeks, you can let us know exactly what those are once the, uh, you know, it's 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 fair to give spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to, you know. Circle back. I don't really want to do too much in the way of explanation. But I mean, the essential and this you get from the trailer pretty much is that there's something hunting people and they can only hunt you if they can hear you that's like their tagline is they can only hunt you if they can hear you so you know the family has to live very quietly one of the children is deaf and i found out she's actually deaf in real life which i thought was really cool that they were like it felt more inclusive because especially with it being a movie where there wasn't you they did a lot of sign language you know there wasn't talking because they couldn't talk because apparently these things that are hunting them can hear even the slightest sound, like it's crazy. Oh my god, was this movie subtitled? Because I know you love those. Uh, it was subtitled, but it wasn't um, annoyingly so. It because it wasn't completely subtitled. And there's a lot of points where they they don't really say a whole lot. It's more about the action so that's going on. To be quiet, you know. Well, you know, that's a quiet place. It's a quiet I don't place. Know. <laughs> uh, a quiet place. But I mean, it definitely, it was definitely like good. I guess I would give it a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I would give it an eight out of eleven, Jim. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I was trying to be like Dwight weird, but I don't know if it that wasn't weird, enough. wasn't weird enough. <laughs> you didn't hit the weird bar there, but that's okay. Rotten Tomatoes gives it ninety five percent. Yeah, pretty good. A lot of people love it. Like, and you know, honestly, like I said, I I don't want to ruin it for people by expressing my discontent of these two plot holes. One of them's a plot hole, and one of them is more like. They were, they were going for something impactful that didn't work oh. t- for me. I And it didn't make any sense. Like if I was writing this story, I would not have written this. But I'm not the world's greatest writer. I'm just, you know, I just do my thing. So anyway, go see A Quiet Place if you're into thrillers. It's not really a horror movie. I'd call it more of a thriller. Um, I mean, there's definitely horror themes in there. But I think calling it a horror film is a little... Is a little wrong. Is there is there at any point where John Krasinski kind of just like looks at the camera and shrugs? Oh my god! I wish no. It's there like, was can not. you believe these monsters? <laughs> no, there plays was... pranks on them, puts their staplers in Jello. Anything? No. Oh my god! That scared the shit out of me, Randy. I just shat myself <laughs> live on air. Stephanie shits herself. I, okay, I didn't really, but I, it was close. <laughs> well, you can say that all you want, but nobody can see it, so I can pretend you did, but I'm not gonna. Because you know. that'd be mean. And it's just kind of weird. Like, why do I want to pretend you're shitting? 
Uh, why? Yeah, there's yeah. really no point. Um, Keeping so it classy. We always keep it classy here at the way station. <laughs> you know, we we don't swear a whole lot, but sometimes I feel guilty, like especially when we have when you know for our second half where we interview people. And I, you know, I want them to be able to share the link out for themselves, you know, to, to promote whatever it is that they're working on. And I always feel like, man, you know, we're dropping F-bombs on here. Are they really going to want to use this as a promotional thing? But people keep coming on the show. So apparently the few that we drop aren't the worst things ever. Also, they could probably skip through the first half if they really want to, because we usually don't swear during the interviews unless it's been okayed by the interviewee. Yeah, and I feel the language has been a little bit cleaner since, you know, Tom hasn't been here for a few episodes. Tom know. hasn't been here in a long time. Yeah. He hasn't been here in a long time. Tom has been banned from the show because <laughs> he doesn't have a filter at all, and he doesn't realize that, like, the things he says – Sometimes, oh, I don't even want to well, get into it. Well, he doesn't it. understand that the things he says people can hear. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he understands that, but yeah. that's okay. He's banned from the show. Love you, Tom, but you're banned. you're banned. Even your wife banned you from the show, so that's pretty bad. Um, let's get into this channel awesome thing because it's kind of, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And this started last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were over at my house Saturday. Yeah. And didn't we find out about it Sunday? I believe so. Yeah. I just, I, I don't even remember where I, saw it i think oh it was something on twitter and then i started following it and pulling you know unraveling the information okay so uh short backstory if you don't know what channel awesome is there's this guy rob walker and him and a no relation (laughs) (laughs) that's that's probably for the best right now yeah (laughs) um but him and his brother um and a bunch of other content creators kind of banded together and they made this you know, they produce stuff under the Channel Awesome label and, you know, they had their own website and things were looking up to them or up for them where like a few of them, I think him included, were actually able to quit their day jobs and they bought a studio. Right. And everything was looking, you know, pretty good. And, um, you know, they did, like he, he was mostly known as like um, Nost- Nostalgia Critic, which was a character he played. The, the old website was like that guy with the glasses. Yeah. Com. And I mean, they did a lot of reviews. They, they're they actually um, considered responsible for bringing the room to prominence because of his review of it was widely seen. And Tommy Wiseau got really bad about it until he finally realized that it was making people go and watch his movie. Right. Spend their money. So like they had, mad about that. They've had a, a pretty big effect on, on pop culture in some ways. And. I mean, over the years, like, there's a few creators had left, but I mean, that's normal. You know, not everybody sticks with, you know, the company that they're with, but. Right. And Doug Walker, or the Nostalgia Critic, is basically that's like Rob, the. That's Rob, I think. Doug, I think it's his brother. No, 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 Doug. You're right. no, Doug. Yeah. Rob is the, is his brother that helps run it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Doug, um, Doug Walker, uh, who, who is the Nostalgia Critic, is like one of the most prominent people on that network. Yeah. Like, I mean,. I mean, it's basically he's, he's part. His, well, he's part of management. I yeah. mean, it's he's, but he's like basically. A lot of people know who that is. If you say the nostalgia critics, I just want to make sure to yeah. like get that out there. Like he's in, you know, management of Channel Awesome, and like he's pretty much the he's pretty much the main draw. I would say at least when it first started. Um, you know, I don't know too much about like what other uh, contents on there because I haven't really followed it that closely. Um, it's but mostly anyway. movie and video game related and TV show stuff, like um, reviews, mostly reviews um, of generally of comedic stuff. There's like some Let's Play, just, or there have been at least, just, you know, standard YouTube fare, basically. Okay. 
but uh, pretty well produced for the most part because they had a studio. You know, they had a little bit of money. And then, and then some things happened, apparently. Uh, yeah. And it, it looks like it started, um, back in March. Um, a former Channel Awesome member, uh, Allison Pregler, uh, res- this is from an article, um, on knowyourmeme.com that we both had found, uh, mm-hmm. last week. So if you want to check it out, you can, um, go to knowyourmeme.com slash meme slash events slash channel awesome implosion. Change the channel. That's that's a whole lot. That's a lot. Yeah, but anyway, so um, she responded to a fan on Twitter, um, asking about there was a nostalgia critic did a review of the movie It, which came out last year. Um, apparently, there were some things in this review that were racy in nature is what I'm getting from it. Um, again, don't know the full story. So if I am misreading this or, you know, missing something, don't get pissed at me. Use the internet and find out that information for yourself. Um, and she started talking about some issues that she had with channel awesome. Cause at this point she was no longer with them. Um, and basically, so she said, and this is the tweet that is in this article, I'd ask him, but he was there when I was kicked off CA, which is Channel Awesome, for speaking up, and he did nothing, leached 90K off of fans, and treated me like crap. Also, his reviews are bad, which is also it's a bunch of nasty things to say about a former boss, uh, especially somebody who's so prominent. And I thought he was really well-liked, too, as yeah, far I as I so knew. Too. You know, like this guy is, you know, kind of like a you know, like a gem. Mm-hmm. People just think he's great. So um, that was that was something that was back from March. But apparently uh, in the last few weeks or the last month, people have just been like leaving Channel Awesome like left and right, which is it's like a mass exodus, basically. Yeah, they're down to like three content producers or something. Um, and like basically um, – Doug Walker and two other people. I mean, there's like a huge laundry list of allegations. Um, yeah, why don't we get like, to those? Yeah, because, like, yeah, it's, it's it's a list of grievances and poor practices, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, um, somebody got fired for uh, taking time off for surgery. Wouldn't give her her severance pay unless she signed a contract saying she wouldn't work for another media site for two to four years. Yeah, and apparently she worked every single day yeah. and like just asked for time off. Like for the surgery. Now with that one, I uh, read a little bit more into it, and apparently they didn't fire her. Um, they well, they fired her after she came back from surgery. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, you know, they, she took the time off, but that's why they fired her. Gotcha. When she came back is when they when she got fired. Um, there's some uh, allegations of sexual harassment that were apparently ignored until they got pretty bad. One of which I'll, I'll bring up in a little bit here. That's yeah. particularly shocking. Um. People weren't getting paid for for days that they had worked. Um, this is the one that really gets me: the yeah. not feeding, giving people food or water on movie sets. So, yeah. like, if you're working for hours and hours, they don't have bottled water there for you. At least, I mean, okay, granted, they're not rich, but they they have to give you water. You have to have access to water. We need it to live. Um, and there's actually, I think, there's something in this article, and we'll find it after we go through this yeah. little laundry list, that speaks more to that. So go ahead. Now, a lot of it here basically comes down to mismanagement. It says of footage, videos, 
resources and staff. Um, so they, they weren't good with time management. They were very demanding. They were um, mislabeling things and basically blaming it on the content producers and then firing or um, reprimanding content producers for things that were management's mistakes, according to this. Um, they got their studio. I mean, I mean, this is kind of seems minor comparison, but I mean, kind of a big deal if you're going to have a studio. They didn't sound damp in it. Um, they were selling things that they didn't actually own. Um, they fired people for like private tweets. I mean, companies have rules. So, I mean, some of it might be technically justifiable, but overall, it, it sounds bad. I'm talking about, um, general misogyny, uh, management not being available when people, um, needed them. And it's saying that, that Channel Awesome was an actual corporation. So they were incorporated and then management wasn't available for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, um, Two people – now, I don't know how this came about specifically, but they uh, – there was a script that involved a rape scene and, and the two actors didn't want to do it and they forced them to, which I don't know. I mean if you sign on for something, you sign on for something, but – so I can't say that like they didn't know about it ahead of time or they did, but Even on they, top of everything else, it's one of the weaker ones, I think, honestly, because if it's in a script, you should be aware of what's in the script. But then again, I don't know because they're talking here about not having stuff ready till the last second. Well, and even if they didn't know it was in the script, they had every right to just walk away if they yeah. didn't feel comfortable. You don't – you never have yeah. to do something yeah. like that. So like, so like some of these are – a little iffy, but like, I mean, they're also talking about like how they uh, fleece people for a $30 Prime membership that only got them temporary exclusives. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, you, you, it, didn't, be, yeah, it like didn't give a, what it was supposed to at any rate. Yeah, basically, like, they would give content to these people that was, you know, supposed to be exclusive for members. And then a year later, it's content that's there for everybody. So, basically, unless you're like a content whore and if you can't wait a year, yeah. That might have been okay, but I mean, don't say it's exclusive and then decide to mass release it. Yep, and they were um this one just said they're generally creepy and flippant approach to the characters they wrote, but I uh, that's that, that's weird. But yeah, like, that's a like, weird one. Yeah, so keep in mind like there's some serious stuff in here, but some of the things on this list are really just kind of not non points. But this one that bugs me is that they were using um other contributors' footage without basically crediting them or letting them know. Like, I don't know what their ownership structure was, but, um, you know, you're supposed to be involved in some way with, with the, how your stuff gets used generally if you're producing it for somebody else. Um, but, but the, the, the biggest parts basically come down to mistreatment of employees, sexual harassment, um, inability of management to respond or even be, uh, talked to about anything and them ignoring um, issues that came up when they were, you know, informed of them. Um, Also, if you uh, want to get more information on April 2nd, Allison Pregler uh, pinned a tweet to her page. Um, She's at at Obscurus underscore Lupa. Um, and it has a document from that has accounts from around 20 members of Channel Awesome and former management uh, on various mistreatments over the last 10 years. So there's more information available uh, online. It's it's the Google Doc. Yeah, I found the doc. Found the documents, <laughs> the emails. Um, I don't know. But um, here here's the thing that 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 really kind of got me though is like literally there's been a mass exodus according to the Wikipedia article, although it was flagged for. Um, needing uh, needing a little work, but so I'm just going off what I've got here. Um, 
like basically almost everyone's left. Uh, Channel Austin put up what people are calling a non-apology and then took it down after people were complaining about that, saying that it didn't really do enough to explain anything. But um, one of the things that gets me is is one of these sexual harassment things. Uh, and I'm going to read this from Wikipedia. It says um, there was an anonymous allegation of sexually predatory behavior, including grooming by a producer. Um, the accuser um, at some point during this process uh, so or is 18 or is 18 now. So this might have even happened before she was 18. Um, she alleged that she had informed them about the abuse and they didn't do anything for uh, the better part of a year. Um, the producer turned out to be uh, Justin Carmichael, known as Jew Wario, who I remember. And I remember when this happened because it was kind of a big deal. He committed suicide in 2014 after he had left the site. And this maybe sheds a little bit of light on that, too. I mean, right. I don't know. But, I mean, if you were basically um, a, a, a sexual predator and you got called out on it, your life might kind of turn to crap. Well, I mean, it should kind of because you're a sexual predator. But one well, and the thing is, is like if if that's happening with her or had happened with her, I'm sure that there are other people that it had happened with yeah. as well. I mean, I don't I don't know. These people were just going on, you know, what we're reading and kind of speculating. So uh, but yeah, like, I mean, that's kind of a. I feel like that's a big warning sign right there, especially, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't do anything about it. And this person was underage. Like, yeah. um, I'm looking at this Google Doc, by the way. It is um, really, really long. <laughs> it's like 73 pages. Wow. 73 pages. I, I kind of wanted to, like, flip through it, but I just don't. And it's probably written better than that list, which originated on Tumblr. Oh, right. So, so yeah, definitely um, go and check out um, – Go and check out her uh, her Twitter and, and check out that document if you're interested in learning any more. Because I mean, it's a really long account, but it's kind of like a like a what not to do. Uh, yeah, if you're going to be a content creation website, you know, like what you know how not to treat your employees, how not to be a douche. Uh, like, don't do what they did. But this kind of <laughs> sucks too, because like, like these were like supposed to be the good guys. Theirs was like the business model that you're supposed to emulate because they broke away from like the whole YouTube thing before YouTube actually started crapping on their content producers, and they were actually successful. You know, to the outside world, they appeared to be doing really well, and now it's just there's like nobody left, and it, everything's just falling apart. Well, and you know, it's one thing to to be proactive and try to do something different and make something your own, but you still have to be a good human, especially when you're working with other people. It sounds like communication among staff was really just horrible. Um, I mean, this whole thing just seems... This is... And and I'm going to just use this as an example, but like this is why I left the first publishing company that I worked with because... There were, there was no communication. And I was hearing things from other people that they were talking to mm-hmm. that were negative. And I would try to address it with them. And they would constantly blow off the meetings we made. Like they didn't want me to know. They didn't want to communicate with me. And communication is a really big deal when you're trying to run a company with somebody. It's actually like the most important yeah. thing. Honestly, I'd like probably all of this could have been avoided if management had been better at 
being management. Right. Like and, if they'd done it and, properly. And maybe they just don't know how. And maybe yeah. that's the thing. Like maybe, you know, Doug's good at making his little funny videos and stuff, but maybe he's not so good with managing people. And that's, that is what it is. But he should have recognized that mm-hmm. and taken a step back and found somebody who was good with people. Whoever that may be. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of people out there that are good at jobs like this. So, and know how to communicate and know how to treat people properly and, and follow the rules and, you know, treat people like human beings. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, it sounds like Channel Awesome's pretty much imploded. And, uh, you know, I guess they had a good run, but it sounds like everybody that was working for them did not. <laughs> yep. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of sad, but, you know, again, people chose to walk away when they couldn't, deal with what was going on anymore. So, you know, good on them for having a head on their shoulders and knowing what to do for themselves. Don't stick around to be abused, people. Yeah. Move on. Just move on. Something else better is out there. It, it's not YouTube, though. It's probably not YouTube. Probably not YouTube. Well, yeah, there's that whole, you know, they how they scaled down or they scaled up, like, how many people you had, like, you have to have following you or, you know, subscribe to your channel so you can monetize it. I mean, that's a whole, yeah. I think, they, I think we talked about yeah, that. They on redid the show. their algorithms. Yeah. Man, yeah. whatever. I consider coming to podcast Detroit. You should, you should come to podcast. It's really awesome here. Everything's green and black. Yeah. And there's no algorithms. I don't think And they have a, there is no algorithms and they have alcohol in the lobby. Literally I, on tap. I believe. The, uh, well, Dave and Bob are half owners of Falling Down Beer Company. There's one in Warren and one in Oxford. Right? It's Oxford, right? Okay. Um, I used to live out there. I should know this. but um, So, yeah, they're half owners. So even before then, we had kegs in here because they had like a partnership. And now they're half owners. And uh, we get the same amount of free beer. But um, <laughs> it's still pretty cool. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I have never been sexually harassed. You know what? I definitely have been sexually harassed oh. here, but it's okay because it's by people I know and it's joke. It's <laughs> it's nothing. Wait a serious. minute. Are you saying that you are a comfortable adult that can joke around sexually with people you know and not be offended by it? That is correct. But if you were in an uncomfortable environment, you would say something about it. Yes, if it was with somebody I didn't and know or trust. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would speak up if some. I've spoken up if you know people. Yeah get too weird with me i don't i don't play that game like if, like if somebody tries to use you like a, your butt as a trampoline <laughs> that damn goat it was a sec- it was a sexual predator, <laughs> <laughs> it was a sexual predator. <laughs> <laughs> oh megan megan's butt's trampoline for goats yeah <laughs> Oh, this is why I wish I had like Photoshop skills because like I have a picture of Megan laying on her stomach with her butt right there I could just Draw an animated goat like jumping. I got I got a picture of the goat like as it was jumping off of her. Oh, that's gonna so be so it's like frozen in midair, but it's like all blurry, so it's not that great. That's gonna be one of the uh, one of the things one of, one of the um, stage pieces in the next Escape Goat. It's gonna be Megan, and you'll have to use her to jump between things. <laughs> Megan, it's just gonna be a butt. And if 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 nobody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> Escape Goat and Escape Goat Two are really cool uh, puzzle games on Steam, and you're a goat, and there's a hamster that helps you. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, it's really fun if you like puzzle yep. games. And it's got a full level editor, and that's always cool if you're a nerd like me. We, you're such a nerd. I'm a nerd. Um, I wanted to touch on really quick uh, Two Point Hospital. And I've mentioned it on the show before, several shows back. I mean, pretty much as soon as I found out about it, because, you know, obviously I'm stoked. Um, they've been giving me updates. You can sign up. Um, actually, I'm going to 
find the information for you and give it to you right now. You can sign up uh, for like an exclusive um, – you have to sign up for it, but they give you like all these videos and behind the scenes um, – things like interviews and like you know different parts of the game they actually did an interview with the person who does the overhead voice oh yeah yeah and you know they were talking about like with the writers like how they come up with the stuff that they you know do in, inside the hospital but two point hospital uh for those who don't know is a remake essentially or a reimagining of theme hospital which was a game that came out like back in the 90s for the pc and um, that was like during the golden age of sim games too, when like Maxis made serious ones and Bullfrog made hilarious ones. Like I think Bullfrog. they made like Dungeon Keeper with Bullfrog. Um, back before uh, Peter Molyneux um let everything go to his head and started promising things like like Fable being way more than it was. But I digress. Um, go to twopointhospital.com and you can sign up for the hospital pass. And when you sign up for that, um, you have to have a Steam account because they want to link it to that because basically it gives you first like dibs when it, when the game comes out, you're notified and you can just buy it right through Steam. But it also sends you like cool emails, fills you in on where they're at because they don't have an actual release date, but they, it is this year. So this kind of keeps you in the know of what's going on. So if you're interested in this game and I highly recommend it because if it's anything like theme hospital, like I couldn't, there were nights that I would just play for hours and hours and hours and hours because you can. It's yeah. so much fun. But it gets really hard. I mean, do you remember, like, there's that one level where they kept having earthquakes? Oh, and yeah. there's the one level where they kept having, like, people vomiting all over your whole hospital's covered, <laughs> covered in, in vomit. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the worst thing is, like, if an earthquake, if your machines aren't in, like, tip-top condition, they just break. And you can't remove broken things. So they just take up space. Yeah. So which I'm hoping is an oversight that, they, that they've taken care of in this one. They probably do it on purpose. I mean, but what they should do, I, in my opinion, what they should do is instead of, like, not allowing you to remove it, they should maybe either charge you more or you wait till you have a certain reputation yeah. or, like, there should be, like, something that you have to meet in order to get rid of it. That would make way more sense to me, yeah. but that's just... Because that, that level was really annoying because everything kept breaking. We had little mechanics running around trying to fix everything, and then stuff would just break, and we're like, well, we're screwed. It's that over. But it's still... It was a really fun game. And, yeah, the... The medical ailments were hilarious. Like the, you need, you would need certain types of doctors for certain things. So you need like a psychiatrist to treat King syndrome where people thought they were Elvis and they would come in looking like Elvis and then leave looking like normal people. Yeah. So you have a bunch of little Elvises running around your hospital. And you'd, you'd have epidemics. So you'd have somebody being like, there's an epidemic of the squirts, which was the squirts, but they didn't want to say squirts. They said yeah. squirts. Um, and I remember too, like when people would just die because they, the queues were too long and they weren't getting, Right. Healed, like there'd just be like like a Grim Reaper would show up and like a hole would open up and they would go to hell. Yeah, literally the Grim Reaper takes them to hell. And some yeah. of them flip to heaven with their little angel wings. Yeah. But you know some not everybody so can be that lucky. I know I, I know damn well the Grim Reaper's yeah. taking me to hell. That's fine. And it got a little deep if you wanted it too, because like all the doctors had stats and you could like you try and like give them like the best job or for like what they were good at. Right. And, and you could train them. Yep. And you there's the training room and yeah, it's it's really cool if you're into like not everybody's into Sims and I get that, but me personally this game is like my jam 100%. So I am super stoked. So go to twopointhospital.com, sign up for the hospital pass and stay in the loop if you're interested in this game. And it will be available on Steam some point this year. I got one too. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So normally I'm 
pretty leery of people who have well i'm pretty leery of video games on kickstarter in general because there's been a lot of ones that have like burned people or just taken a million years to come out and like you get these people that leave studios because they're unhappy with how it's progressing and then they try to reinvent the franchise that um made them famous and i'm specifically speaking about i forget his name but the guy invented mega man uh started kickstarter for indiegogo or something for mighty number nine which wound up underwhelming everybody and it was supposed to be the oh, spiritual yeah. success of Mega Man, and a lot of people were really pissed. Um, then we it was, talked um, about that mm-hmm. on the show because it was so crappy. It was like the crappiest game like that ever got like that much money raised for it. Yeah, it was just so disappointing and crappy. And then there was that that other one. Uh, what was it called? The one it was like a space exploration game. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. And uh, no Man's Sky? Yeah, yeah No Man's Sky. And apparently, apparently it's actually gotten a lot better. They've been releasing updates. But, like, it released. It didn't have a lot of the features it, they promised. Uh, people were getting bored because, like, there was no it – was, it was basically a shared universe, but there was no social contact between people. It basically came down to – But that's how they advertised it. Yeah, but the, the, mostly it was a lot of features weren't involved. Like, you were supposed okay. to be able to get eventually, like, space fleets and stuff. And, like, people could literally stand next to each other and not see each other. Um, but And then the company was, like – Completely buttoned up for like a month, didn't say anything. But then they started releasing updates. So long story short, except it's too late because I already told the long story. <laughs> I'm skeptical of – everyone always says it when they're too far in. But um, long story short on that, I'm uh, really super excited about this one. It's called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And it's essentially a spiritual successor to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which – Kickstarted the entire um, Metroidvania genre by combining, you know, Castlevania elements with a Metroid style exploration, puzzle solving method of like where you get items and then they, you can use them in combat, but they also open up new areas for you. It added in a full action RPG system. Right. And it's like almost everybody's favorite Castlevania game. And there's been like countless imitators and i mean like i said it literally created a whole new genre of video games well he's got this one on kickstarter called bloodstained ritual of the night which i mean it's it starts a female but like they even show her like with a whip it's it's very clearly like a castlevania game with different characters but it's met like every goal it's funded um over five and a half million dollars and it just looks it just looks really, really cool. Oh, and it looks like it's coming out for the Switch, too. Yeah, it's going to be on, like, everything. So I'm either going to get it on the Steam or on, on the Get Steam it on the Steam. Or, or on Switch. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, $5,545,991 pledged of a $500,000 goal. Okay, you know, what? I have an issue with why is this company, why are they using Kickstarter? No, because this is like a dude. This is okay. So this this is the guy that that le- basically left Konami and got a group of people together. There is a company involved. Okay. I think. So, but here's my thing, though. Mm-hmm. He's a professional. He's worked doing this, right? So why I'm how come he? I mean, I guess maybe making it his own was like, I don't know. Kickstarter is getting like. I'm getting seriously over Kickstarter because I'm seeing people using Kickstarter to pay for their stuff. 
when they should be able to pay for it on their own if they're as successful as they say they well, are. Well, no, I, I get what you're saying. So that's why I'm, I just question this because I'm kind of like, eh. No, I, I get what you're saying. It's like I think this was like a, even like a family guy joke at one point. Someone's like, yeah, I did this, I did this, and then I started a Kickstarter, and then I stopped and got investments like a, like a responsible adult. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so like in, in general, I'm leery of Kickstarter things anyway. So, I mean, I'm not super happy that this is the method because they have all their money and God knows how long it's going to take for them to release this. I mean, there's other um, indie games that I've been following that have been fully funded for years and are not out yet. Well, yes, it, it's saying here in this article that um, they were going to make a Wii U version. So that tells you that it's been it's been in the process. It's for been a in while. the process for yeah, because the Wii U. I mean, the Switch came out like over a year ago, like, yeah. like a year and a half. Um, year and a half yeah the Wii and the Wii U is basically declared you know dead long before that although right. I had it the reason I don't have a lot of Switch games is because I have all the good ones on Wii U already right because no. I loved my Wii U I love but, my Wii U but I mean the game looks really good uh, I'm hoping with with the pedigree and of the people on it that it, it turns out really good so I'm super excited about this but like you mentioned um Actual companies have used Kickstarter for stuff too. Like the last Shantae game was uh, crowdfunded, and that's made by an actual company. I mean, it's it's a small group of people, but it's like you couldn't just you know try and find investors. Well, and my thing is like using it for like pre order. Like you already have the money to make the game. Yeah, you're literally using it to get your name out there or get a pre you know the pre order because mm-hmm. Kickstarter is a great tool um, for marketing. Um, and, and I think that it's a great, and it's great for indie creators. And in the second half of the show, we will be, um, discussing, um, indie publishing, the ins and outs and kind of what we've gone through, uh, when I created Scapegoat Press and kind of give you more information on that. Um, but that's why I have like such a, this is a pre-segue. Yeah. Well, this is, I have such a fierce, um, I'm so, I get very like angry, when it comes to Kickstarter, because I see people that are independent creators that truly need the, like they aren't going to find investors. These are people from all around the world that are just trying to, you know, follow their dreams and they're using Kickstarter in the proper way because they can't get the funding or whatever it is. They're not asking for an exorbitant amount of money. They're asking for what they need to make the book. That's it. And, you know, to ship it and all that. And that's fine. If you're using it for what it's intended for, that's great, but when I see big companies, you know, trying to kickstart things, it just kind of, it kind of ruffles my panties. Does it now? It ruffles the panties. Yeah, not not my feathers because I'm not a duck. Oh, sorry. So, or a bird of any sort. A bird of any <laughs> sort. Yeah. So that's why I'm sorry. That's why I had to ask about that. But the game does look pretty cool, and they just did an update on the Kickstarter uh, February 28th of this year. It's a development update. So that's cool. That means, I mean, at least they're, and it's their 60th update. So that means they are keeping in contact with their backers, which is super important. If, especially if you're, um, the product that you are supposed to deliver has been delayed for any reason. Yeah. And I actually kind of thought that that pledge amount was really high for only about 65,000 backers, but it means the average person actually pledged 8550, which is a lot for a game. But yeah. you know, like that's not really how it's broken down. Like a, a video game is pretty much sixty bucks. So the so anybody, uh, oh no, actually no, they have digital copies for for twenty eight on here. So people really spend a lot of money on this. Like people are really excited. 
Well, and that's great. And I hope it does well. I hope it's a fun game. And I hope it's it, it better be worth the wait and all the money that people invested in it. We'll see. Time will tell. And when the game comes out, we'll definitely play it. And then mm-hmm. we can talk about it. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about it. And same with Two Point Hospital. I will be on that the day it comes out. I'm not leaving my house at all. And I've been <laughs> I've been following a few other indie games on uh, that Chucklefish who did uh, uh, Starbound mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, publishing. But other than like Stardew Valley, uh, some of the releases have been like apparently not very good. But that game is excellent. But these other ones are just taking forever, and it's driving me kind of crazy. I understand. Yeah. And so do you. <laughs> on that note, we are going to take. A brief hiatus, and when we come back, Jason and I are going to talk to you guys about um, kind of the the publishing process when you have to independently publish yourself, which is, you know, we'll go through that whole process with you, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about starting, um, you know, Scapegoat Press and, and the steps that I kind of went through with that and how simple it is, and if you really want to create it's within your grasp and reason, you know, to do it. So uh, we're going to take a break and we will be back with that information. Hello and welcome back to the Wave Station. I'm still Stephanie. That's still Shim. To my left and to my right is still Randy, I think. Woo! <laughs> um, so... This week, we decided to kind of do something a little bit different. Normally, we have a guest to talk about, you know, whatever project they're working on um, and, you know, talk about the indie process, you know, through a different person's eyes. But we decided this week that we were going to kind of talk about our journey that we've gone through over, oh, my gosh, the last several, several years, starting back with Drunk Dorks. Um, Gosh. Oh, something came up in my Facebook feed the other day, and it was us celebrating our two-year uh, drunk dorks anniversary and that was oh gosh i don't even know how many years ago that was yeah no um every single day now i guess i've had facebook long enough um every single day it's like hey do you remember this and some of the things are like really cool but most of them are like oh that that thanks for reminding me about that not that i'm saying that about drunk dorks but i mean a lot of things that pop up are, well yeah uh, if you ever, ever typed something that you know well yeah. that's a whole other story but <laughs> um so Zuckerberg. Basically, the the journey that we kind of took into where we're at now um, started off with us deciding to do a podcast with our friends back. Oh God, so many years ago. I can't even. It's so weird. I can't even think it's about. Been, it's been a hot minute. Yeah. So we decided, hey, okay, we're gonna do this podcast, and then we decided we were gonna create our own website create content kind of like you know channel awesome so if you were listening to the first half but see we just did it with the four of us and i used i actually remember like when we were pitching ideas i used that as an idea for the format of our website and i think i made us watch a channel awesome video on how um they went about producing things probably i mean so (laughs) (laughs) full circle um and jason and i have always written we've kind of always been writers in in the sense that we've you know never we weren't published or anything at this point but we had been writing since i I had been writing since i was a kid i mean i've got stories and like poetry and stuff that i have written in like elementary school i was i was really good at um like report style writing like schoolwork. Mm -hmm. um i used to write really bad poetry i don't write (laughs) any poetry anymore um but as far as my storytelling skills, 
um, got my uh, practice in on um, unpublished, and it will forever remain that way, but uh, unpublished fan fiction. There you go. Of the anime variety. <laughs> of the anime variety, which is why it will remain unpublished. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, whatever, whether it's your own stuff or that, like, most of your – most people's early work is probably embarrassing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's the thing. You know, there are a lot of people out there that were in the same boat that we were where, you know, you're writing and it's something that you're interested in and passionate about and it's something that you – you you want to publish something, but then you you know I mean I can't tell you how many times I you know, Googled you know how do you get a book published you yeah. know and it, it's like this laundry list of things. You, I mean, getting you know uh, an agent is even difficult, especially now because um, I've even looked it up currently just to see like you know if things have changed you know, like in the last ten years since I started looking this stuff up and um it for a lot of people it's it feels like it's inaccessible. It feels like being published is too difficult. Um, it's an unattainable goal. And that's the beauty of indie creation. And right now, indie indie creators are like, most of the people I know do indie, you know, and they're doing really well. They, they're getting to write the stories they want to write. And that's another part of the beauty of being an, an independent creator. Well, yeah, self-ownership. You don't, you create and own your stuff and you have complete say over it unless you, you know, get that chance and and decide to go with the company. But I mean, that's what contract negotiations are for. That's right. another story. Um, but so basically, you know, going from Drunk Dorks, I was approached by um, – I started doing interviews for Drunk Dorks with uh, comic book creators because I had started getting into the convention scene. I was meeting a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, me, it was mostly me, but sometimes the guys were on for the interviews. And then a couple of times Megan came in and did the interviews with me. So from there, I was approached by um, uh, an indie publisher, a new one, a startup that was looking for somebody to, you know, do a podcast and do content creation, like articles for their website. And... I decided to go with them because it was for me, it was a step towards what I really wanted to do, which is to write comics or write books. And so that was like the next step for me. I mean, I got kind of lucky in one sense because it gave me a different, you know, a bigger audience, but I ended up not staying with that company for very long because of other issues. So I did that and then kind of parlayed that into, okay, well, I really like writing. How am I going to go about creating stuff and getting it out there? And that's when, you know, I'd spoken with some of my my indie creator friends about it. And I was actually talking to Casey Pierce, who has a show on the network as well on every other Monday with Holly. Um, so you should definitely check that out. It's on at the same time as ITMD. It's like... It's crazy. But um, so, you know, I spoke with her and she told me she started her own, you know, corporation. And she gave me this tax, uh, her tax guy's information said, go talk to them. They can hook you up. So I'm like, oh, OK, so I can start my own company. It's really that easy. You find a tax person. They'll tell you the best type of way to set it up. Like I have an S-corp. 
I don't have an LLC. Some people have an LLC. There's different things that you can get. Um, you know, mine's an S corp. I, I, I read what it, the difference is, but I'm really not going to bore you with that because you can talk to a tax person about that. I don't want to be that lame right now. Hmm. So, um, and from there, I just decided that I'm going to start putting out my own content, uh, in physical form, not just online. But, you know, writing books, writing comics. And so I started, gosh, a couple of years ago. This is my third year. Um, this, yeah, this is the third year because I just did my second tax year with uh, Scapegoat Press. I just dropped off my taxes yeah. the other day. I know it's like really cutting it close, but, you know. Well, we get to the 16th this year because the 15th is on a Sunday. Right. So, yay. Yay that. And how expensive was it to incorporate, Stephanie? It was really not. I think it was like 100 bucks or something. I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago, but it's honestly really not ex- – it's not expensive. In order to keep your license, um, there's like a $25 fee every year that you pay to the IRS. It's really not a big yeah. deal. They send you something in the mail. And you just pay it. And to be fair, like if you if you want to create, you don't need to start your own company, but you can, and it's inexpensive. And at that point, it's really you're only spending as much money as you want or need to make your products. I would imagine well, would be the best way to put it. Well, if you don't incorporate in some way, you're going to have if you're bringing in money. Yeah. And spending money like out for, you know, to put out books or to pay artists to make a comic book, you're going to have to you're going to have to put that in your taxes somehow. Yeah. So it's, you're better off, I guess, probably it, doing it than not doing it. It makes it easier because like for me, I just whatever I pay out, I keep a log of whatever I take in at conventions and whatever mm-hmm. I pay, you know, everything I pay out and everything I take in is yeah. in two separate places and I just put them together and send it to my tax person. And it's that, really, really, and I, I use a ledger. Like I'm not even all like fancy computer person. I use a ledger <laughs> book and it's like super easy. The, the financial stuff I was just going to say um, is uh, the boring part, but it's also really important. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I mean, I don't know like a lot of people that people that I've talked to usually incorporate. I don't know. There probably are people out there that didn't. And are doing their own thing. I just feel like it for me, it just sounded like way more complicated to not do it. Yeah, and I think it's it's harder too because like I mean, you kind of first of all, you need you need to have something. You need to say this is, you know, released by something. You know, you can put a name on it, but yeah, you can having an actual legal corporation um gives it an I I think uh, an air of authenticity um that's that's nice, but it, it like you said, it gives you the benefits of being able to keep it separate um, financially from your personal life, right? And to help you track everything better because because at the end of the day, um, making making stuff costs time and or money. Like I and can write a book for free, but it costs time. If I now a comic book, you can't because you're just, you're the writer. You are paying other people to do the art and the inking and stuff. So for you, well, I mean, even I though, honestly, I mean, I had to pay somebody to do my cover art. So there's still that too. Right. There is definitely, I mean, and that's why I said like my, in like what I spend, because not, not only do I spend money on, you know, you have to have an I an ISBN. Yeah, we got real barcodes and stuff. Yeah, you have, yeah. you have to get ISBNs. Those are expensive. You have to, um, if you're doing comics and you don't do anything but write, you have to pay uh, an artist. So yeah. that's either a pencil and an inker, uh, a colorist, 
Um, you're going to want an editor on your book. You're going to need a cover done. You're going to need a letterer. Did I already say a letterer? Yes, no. that's, I don't know. Whatever. A, a quick, let- quick caveat here. We're not trying to scare anyone away. We're just, this is important. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I, I wish somebody would have sat me down like this when yeah. I started and gave me, you know, and I still, there is so much I still don't know. I'm sharing what little information, you know, and what I've gone through just because I hope that it helps somebody out there to, take the steps that they might need to take in order to do something, you know, that they really want to do. Life is really short. I'm not trying to get all serious or Debbie Downer, but like life is really short. And I firmly believe that if there's something you really want to do, you should do it. Not if it's illegal or harms anybody else, y'all. Like, oh, you know. Well, never mind. Yeah, then. do no harm, but, you know. <laughs> but but if you want to create something and publish it, it's especially with today's world and with um, – Things like Amazon's Create Space, it's entirely within your own grasp to do it all yourself or, you know, with, as, you know, if you've done, you know, paying people for the parts you, you can't do on your own and, and have something put out there. Right. You know, you don't need an agent. You don't need a big publishing company. I mean, you have to work your ass off at self-promotion to even break even and and that may not happen and even then and i'm going to be really honest here like especially if you're like me myself i'm working on my own i'm paying out of pocket for you know all the people that i work with um you know i've worked with some great people but it's really you don't break even in comics even people pardon me even people who are working you know with some of these independent you know these other like bigger indie comic publishers it's really hard to to break even if you are not and that's why a lot of them do kickstarters because if you're spending all that money out of pocket it costs if you are working with quality people minimum if you're doing a 22 page comic full color mm-hmm. you're looking at two to three grand for each comic that you put out. So, I mean, you're putting out a lot of money. And if you're only charging $5 a comic, (laughs) that's a lot of comics you have to sell. And so it can be really hard for somebody who, like myself, who, you know, I I do my own self-promotion. I do my conventions. um, You know, so a lot of your weekends, you lose that because doing conventions is a huge way to get yourself out there. But when you mentioned marketing, I mean, marketing yourself is huge. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Once you, <laughs> once you said, okay, hey, I'm going to start this S Corp or, you know, get my LLC or do whatever it is your tax person advises you and you want to get product out there and you get, you know, you get your barcodes and you get your content and you get everything that you need, you know, to take it to print. And um, don't let me forget to mention, uh, well, I'm just going to take an aside right now. If you are looking to publish a comic, you're going to want to check out, um, let's see, here in Michigan is, uh, there's a really great printer, um, but they do, you know, I pick it up because it's right, it's not that far from my house, but if you have a comic and you're looking for a printer, Greco Printing and Imaging, um, also they do books and they do comics they do a fantastic job um, i highly recommend them um the price for somebody who's spending money out of pocket is very reasonable and um so yeah that i was gonna throw that in toward the end but whatever <laughs> shameless plug but they're really great and i really do believe in their product and for me they've been fantastic um but okay so you're ready to publish or you're ready to you know print out or whatever you have options so you can if it's a comic book you're going to want to find a company like Greco or you know there's 
Kablam. Um, there's, you know, there's several other like print on demand companies. Then you have CreateSpace, which is what Shim and I used to put out our first book, Secrets Best Kept. And it was really easy to use. Um, you know, we had to pay somebody to do the cover art and, you know, we had to design like how we wanted the cover and all of that. So there's money going out for that. And then, you know, that puts it up on Amazon. So it's going out to a larger audience than, say, just doing it at conventions, you yeah. know. And it's it's basically, I mean, at that point, it's basically free. You know, if you sell a book, I mean, Amazon gets most of the cut, but you're not paying for it to be printed ahead of time. Right. You know, and if you want to um, buy them to sell yourself, it's, it's relatively really inexpensive. Like my my um, my books, like what, like my novel, uh, "Nothing Sacred, Nothing Harmed," is like five hundred some odd pages, and it's like about eight bucks for me to get a copy. Yeah, which isn't bad. Yeah. Um. So there are options out there, like for printing and things of that nature. So, um, and networking, though, networking and marketing are really a huge part of it. And I've been really lucky to have met people who are really good at doing this stuff. And so I kind of, you know, I've talked to them. We've just kind of discussed things and, you know, I, I kind of try to emulate people who I see like doing, you know, doing well for themselves. And you really just, ha- it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and you're not going to want to do it a lot of days. But if you want your product, if if you believe in what you've written and you want people to read it and you're stoked about it, it shouldn't be that hard to do. You know, you just have to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. That's the other thing, too. Like, I'm not going to be super butthurt if I don't make, like, a ton of money off of this. Um, I had a story I wanted to tell, and I actually have done that now. Right. I mean, that's the feeling for me. It's like I've put a mark on the world. I got some stuff out of my head on a piece of paper, and <laughs> if some weirdo wants to read it, they totally can. Right. And that was what it was always about was for me was I want to write a book. Right. If you're getting into, you know, being a writer or an artist for comics uh, to make, you know, to be rich, you're really getting into the wrong profession. (laughs) It's not a thing that happens to most writers or most artists. We work really hard for not a lot. And that's just but that's where the passion comes in. You have to love writing. You have to love comics. You have to love, you know, you like. I comic conventions I used to love them but honestly like I'm so tired I'm tired there's so many of them now it's overwhelming and I feel like it's for me doing conventions is a chore but I try not to display that when I'm at a convention because you have to talk to people you have to put yourself out there and you're on your feet and you're talking all day and you're trying to sell your 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 baby, basically, to people that have no idea what it is, and so I'm a baby, <laughs> like my goat baby Nibs, yeah. which I don't have. No. Nibs is at the farm, but that's okay. Um, and you don't. There's nothing that says you have to do conventions, but I found that that's where I do the bulk of my sales and where I've met a lot of really cool people, not just other creators, but people who read that are into horror. I mean, I've had some great conversations with people that just come up to my table and, you know, they're just into the same kind of thing. So it's, it can be a really positive experience. It gets you out there. And, you know, it definitely, when people see your banners at a bunch of conventions, I feel like they know, they feel like you're more legit is kind of how I see it, especially people who frequent conventions 
Um, now, I have never done one, any of the big ones. Like, I haven't done, you know, New York. I haven't done C2E2. And I have not done um, SDCC. That's not really my thing. I, I'm good with mid-level. Like, I did Motor City last year. I'll be there this year, uh, actually, with Podcast Detroit. But you're so, not going to San Diego. No. No, I'm not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can start your own website and sell through there and market through Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You can um, use Kickstarter to kickstart your books and use that as your main source of marketing because Kickstarter is a great marketing tool and it's good for pre-sales, I feel like, especially when you're an indie creator and you need – it's good for pre-sales and it's good like if you are having trouble coming up with the funds but you have this great story that you want to tell. That's what Kickstarter is for. It's for those independent creators, people that – don't may not necessarily have the means, but they have the drive, the talent, the ability, and and they're willing to do all the work. So you got to um, work at it, though, and you got to be able to create a buzz. And social media, a social media presence is important, but um, that that's a double edged sword, though, because that that is time that you have to spend into promoting yourself that you need to do. But the way a, a lot of the the sites work now though is unless you're paying money your your posts don't get a lot of they don't get seen by a lot of people so it's you have to work at it one way or another it's like you need to have that presence but you kind of have to I, I would say almost you have to purposely try and oversaturate because most of your posts are not going to be seen unless you're unless you're paying for them right but it's it's the it is still though uh probably the easiest way to try and make a bunch of people know you exist right and especially if you're working with like less funds like i don't have the money to like put advertisements on websites and like all that other stuff i mean technically i probably could but it makes more sense to use the free tools that you have before you start and there's something wrong because like i i've done you know paid advertising and i'm willing to do it again not just through facebook but for in other avenues and it has it's it's worked well so i mean if you have the means to do paid advertisement do it um anything that you can do to get your name out there in a positive manner because you definitely don't want to be attached to anybody negative any negativity um I would say, <laughs> especially because you don't know like what your reader like fan base is like into, like you really shouldn't post stuff about politics unless you don't care because people get really angry. Like there are certain things you can't talk about because yeah. you're going to alienate people. They might not care about, you know, they're not going to care about what you wrote because they don't like something you said. And that's the double edged sword there, I think, too, because you want to be genuine you know but i know a lot of people have a persona when they're on the con floor they're this person when they're promoting themselves they're this person and then when they're with their friends and family they're you know they're themselves and that's fine that's actually very smart i think um but it can it can be overwhelming it can be a lot for people and i think you know when i first started doing this i mean i didn't really think about you know, when you put yourself out there in this manner, like anything you say, anything you do, people pay attention to that. Yeah, like if you're going to use your face, your own Facebook to promote your products, don't have a drunken rant, you know, at, at two in the morning. Right. And, and like you said, don't. <laughs> It's hard because because you have to you have to use it as a tool, and I mean, like you said, like don't talk about politics, don't talk about hot button issues. You Religion's want, out. Yeah, you want people <laughs> to. I mean, I mean, unless you're 
products about religion, but and then in which <laughs> case politics. it's in. But I mean, you want people to, you want people. I, I, I you said about having like a, a con persona. You want people to buy into the you that represents what you're creating and to like what you're creating, and that's what you want to put forward. Right. It's not about being fake to me at all. I, I I'm one of. I don't have a persona. What you see is what you get with me, but I'm that's just it. That's just how I am. I want to make connections with people. I want people to be excited to want to read my stuff. I don't think of it as a transaction, although it is. It's not only a transaction where somebody's purchasing something that you put your you know blood, sweat, and tears into, but it's an emotional transaction because you're having a conversation with somebody who's trusting you. They're saying, hey, we're having this conversation. It's great. I'm going to buy your product based on, you know, probably, you know, maybe it's a cover, the cover. Maybe it's your conversation. Maybe they just think you're cool or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's a transaction. And I feel like for myself, I don't feel like having a persona is a thing that I feel comfortable doing because I want the way that I am with people to be as open as my writing is. Cause my, my writing is, sometimes jarring and weird and that's me like (laughs) you know what i mean like i represent what i write and like you said some like maybe people's personas represent what they write and that's totally fine um yeah i mean like i i wrote a book about psychic lesbians if you're gonna read that then then i can kind of talk about that and you're gonna be like oh it's 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 what he writes you know (laughs) yeah and and like like if you like i said like you kind of like if you like you said, if you write about politics, then go ahead and talk about politics. But you have to keep in mind that like some people are your friends and other people are and I don't want to use the poten- the word potential customers, but so we're gonna call them potential fans, because <laughs> that sounds nicer. <laughs> and you don't want to alienate them ahead of time. And like a, a a good example of of someone who did do that to a certain extent, Orson Scott Card, uh famous sci fi writer, uh wrote Ender's Game in the Ender's Game series. Mm-hmm. Um very popular. Was uh and he's backpedaled on this because of the backlash, but was very staunchly anti gay. And he, one of the best Metro style games I've ever played was Shadow Complex and he wrote the plot for it. Or the story. He he wrote the actual story, which is is it's a bare bones story at best anyway, but a lot of people were going to uh, were boycotting it because of his standpoint. And I mean, like, like I get that. Like, if you don't agree with somebody, you don't have to um, support their support work. their work. But like, if if I had done that, I mean, like, I don't I don't like his viewpoint either. But honestly, I would have missed out on a really great game. So you kind of don't want to alienate people because not everyone's going to agree with you, no matter what your your viewpoint is. And I don't post that kind of stuff anyway. Like yeah. even before I was doing it, is I don't politics and religion just aren't my bag. I don't want to get into arguments with people. You know, I'm always up for a friendly discussion. I like to listen to people's viewpoints, and I. But that's like not for the internet. That is for conversations. Yeah, because every time a conversation like that happens on the internet, look at how good it goes. Uh, Right. (laughs) And so for me personally, it's really not an issue. But, you know, you just, we'll just, you know, close that one in and just say, like, just when you are trying to create a fan base and you're trying to interact with people that might be interested in your work, um, you know, definitely. 
you don't you don't step on toes. Just be nice. Be nice. Yeah, be mindful of the, the topics nice. you discuss. Honestly, if you're just nice, it's super yeah. easy. I actually um, had somebody on Twitter um, like say something really shitty to me about something I tweeted. And I pulled a Sarah Silverman because I don't know if you heard about this, but like some guy like laid into her and like called her like a bunch of names over something that she did. And she went like on his Facebook page and like saw that he was like disabled or like something was going on in his life. And so she wrote him back and was like really nice to him and really super genuine. And like they became friends. Wow. So what I did with this guy, I didn't even like bother like looking up anything because I, I just responded to it in a positive manner. I was just nice, you know, and uh, I ended up having a conversation with this guy and he was totally fine. He was really nice to me. I don't know what it was. It was something about it was about a horror movie. It wasn't even about like something I wrote or anything. Oh, like I think that. you told me that it was your opinion on some horror it was, movie, it was and my he would, like wanted to like movie. jump down your throat about this. Yeah, he basically said that he wished that somebody from this movie would come kill me. Is yeah. what he said. And the thing is, is, is it's really easy to be a jerk when no one can see you. But as soon as you make it, as soon as you you personalize it, yeah, in, in the right way, they kind of either have to back down or just keep acting like a tool and if they're just going to keep acting like a tool then you block and ignore them no like this guy obviously was a super fan of the movie so yeah. what i said touched a nerve on him i mean i didn't retract what i said at all i said you know obviously a lot of people really like this movie and i was like i'm sure there's parts of it that you know there are things in this movie that you can really relate to or you really like that's awesome i'm really glad that you like this movie like it wasn't facetious i was like i'm glad you liked it I didn't, but, you know, like, whatever. And then I ended up having this really good conversation with this guy. But that's just, like, you just just be nice to people. And if you're not a nice person and it comes hard, then maybe you shouldn't. Don't don't try to self-publish because nobody's going to want to talk to a curmudgeon. I'm just being honest with you. You could end up, you know, try to find a traditional publisher and then you can be all mysterious and yeah. aloof. But when you're uh, – Yeah, if you're, if you're curmudgeonly, you probably want to go the traditional route because, yeah. I mean – Look how well it worked for uh, George R. R. Martin. Yep, and then I mean, you got like, <laughs> and I, like Christopher Pike. Like he's he's not even curmudgeonly. He's just like never goes in public. Like n- I, nobody like knows really anything about this guy. And he wrote one of my favorite books of all time, uh, Season of Passage, which should be made into a movie, mind you. It is perfect from beginning to end. Um, but yeah, like he, he's like one of those people who just obviously doesn't want to deal with people. So he's doing – he wrote all those books, made a ton of money and just kind of stayed out of the limelight. So traditional publishing, I think you can get away with that way more easily Yeah, than you could you know, independent publishing. But that's just my thoughts on the matter. Obviously, like I said, I've only been doing this for a couple of years and I have a lot to learn. But this is just some of the stuff that I've learned over the last couple of years. Um, so I mean there's really – I mean there's there's more stuff that we could talk about. And if you guys have any questions – you can always message me on Facebook or Instagram and, you know, I'll answer them to the best of my ability. Yeah, we're not masters of this, but we've been doing it for a couple of years. And you know, so. you're right. And if there's <laughs> anything that things. I don't know, I can probably point you in the right direction. And I have no problem, like, because I'll have people message me and like, oh, I'm really sorry to be bothering you. And I'm like, you're not bothering me. If I'm answering your message, like, yeah. I'm not inaccessible. Like, I, but I understand because I would feel the same way, like messaging somebody even if they said, go ahead and message me. But like, seriously, you can email me, you can message me, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm not that person who's going to be an a-hole. That's just not my style. So 
Um, if there's any other questions or anything you guys have, uh, feel free to hit me up or hit Jason up. And I know a little bit more about the publishing stuff because I handle it. <laughs> um, but Shim does, you know, know about like, you know, the writing process and going through like getting your book set up to go on Create Space and all and of those formatting. Things. Good God, the formatting. Yeah, the formatting's a nightmare. I did all but... of that myself for a I had to go through the entire book line by line because of some issues that cropped up during the formatting process. So yeah. that was fun. Found a few extra typos that way though. Well, and that's always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so, I mean that's kind of like a basic intro to, you know, like indie publishing and we probably got a little wibbly wobbly there and kind of, you know, crossed through a few things and maybe didn't complete some certain thoughts, but um Again, any questions, just feel free to message one of us and we will definitely get back to you. Um, we're actually going to do a short show this week. Uh, I'm extremely tired and I think we've really said all we need to say. I do have one other point, speaking of wibbly wobbly. Yeah, um, go ahead. I do want to mention that um, an oxbow lake is formed when a river's meander is to wibbly wibbly wobbly to maintain the course it's on. Ugh. God. I was I was looking up old Weebles stuff last night. You know the narwhals, narwhals guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, I was like, "Ha, Oxbow Lakes." You made a song about Oxbow Lakes. That's weird. I really love how you felt like you had to mention. That you said just wibbly right wobbly. Now. How many chances do I get to to talk about wibbly wobbly? Um, obviously not that many. Yeah. So, um, but I want to thank everybody for listening and kind of going with our our different format this week. No guests, just kind of us chit-chatting and you know kind of sharing our experiences and uh we appreciate you guys listening uh if you have any questions uh you can email me at s-t-a-d-e-u-s-i-a-k at yahoo.com that's my first initial and maiden last name s-taduziak at yahoo.com um or hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and, uh, or on the, the Waystation's Facebook page, wherever I'm on, I'm all over the social medias. Um, and until next time, keep it indie.